0: Welcome to the Make a Baby podcast. I'm Carolina Sotomayor, your your podcast host and Reiki womb healer. I believe that healing is not meant to be done alone, nor should it be. Over the past seven years, I have helped over 90 babies enter the world through the power of Reiki. We explore stories of fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum healing with a sprinkle of spirituality. We also dive into taboo topics, including trauma and pregnancy loss. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Make a Baby podcast. This is episode 121, How to Be Amazing at Conflict Resolution with Lily Rachels. Lily, thank you so much for being here.
1: How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about this.
0: Me too. So I always like to ask this question to all of our guests. Where are you in the world? Are you in the States? Are you overseas? Where are you living?
1: Yeah, I'm in the States. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee.
0: Oh, really? That's amazing. I went there once. It was fun.
1: Oh, did you go honky-tonking on Broadway?
0: Actually, I didn't. I actually went to <laughs> – this is going to sound really bad. This is way before. I actually became a Dave Ramsey financial coach like way a long time ago. That was like 2013-ish. So it was like 10 years ago. So I guess I went to Franklin. I didn't go to Nashville. Mm-hmm. So, But pretty country. I always wanted to go back. We have plans next year to go to – is it called the Gaylord's Resort?
1: Yes. Yeah, yes. the Gaylord Opryland.
0: Yeah. That's our plan. Next year is our vacation.
1: That'll be fun. It's beautiful.
0: Oh, I can't wait. Okay. So I'm super interested in conflict resolution because as I was telling you before is I found you and I was like, I could be better at conflict resolution. For me, I have a lot of childhood trauma, relationship trauma prior to my marriage. My marriage is amazing. My husband's super nice and supportive and loving and kind. But- I always have like this doom. If there is a conflict, it's instantly over. So I'm like, it's hard for me to break that. And I'm just like, okay, so I've been working on that with therapy and healing with Reiki and stuff like that. So I have an interest at becoming better with conflict resolution and not going from zero to a hundred or like instantly going into blame, shame or any of those like negative feelings. So I'm really interested because I think that I'm probably not the only one that suffers with this. You know, so as a woman, we have so many complexities and I want to know how I can be amazing at conflict resolution. So as a woman, is there a modern look at conflict resolution? And what does that look like?
1: Yeah, I first want to say it's completely normal if you're like, I'm not great at conflict, because a lot of the time <laughs> if we grow up in a house where there's either a lot of conflict or maybe there's no conflict and we get into a relationship or into life as an adult it can feel you know, overwhelming. Maybe it's something we used to be really scared of, so we try to avoid it. Or maybe we mirror back what we learned when we were little and we start yelling and defending ourselves. And so it's really normal for people to struggle with like how they approach conflict and also it's a skill. So you can
0: definitely I, get that. I'm super it. excited. I feel like this is the point in my parenting that I really want to focus on because I feel like, I mean, I can parent the way he needs to. I can hear him the way he needs to hug him. But like when it comes to conflict and also coaching him through conflict, he's in first grade. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: it's becoming more apparent. And I'm like, don't necessarily have all the answers. So you have no idea how jazz I am to talk to you.
1: One of the great things about your kids, it's like they learn through modeling. Like we all get this blueprint on how to behave in relationships and interact with other people from our parents. And sometimes we mm-hmm. get bad examples. So when you have kids, when they see you, because, you know, no couple gets along all the time. I don't care right. how happy you are. We all, <laughs> because there's outside pressures and stressors, but when they can see you not only engage in like a healthy disagreement, but resolve it, that's when they learn. Cause they're like, oh, it does exist. It's not this thing that I never see but I also know how two adults respect each other, talk something through, and then resolve that thing.
0: We do that. My husband's parents didn't argue. They had no conflict in front of him. And for me, I grew up with one parent. It's either it was all my mom, and then I switched at 16, and then it was all my dad. It was never together, but there was always conflict because they were Mm. divorced and angry and toxic. So for us, we have taken the approach of like, feel your emotions, cry your emotions. This is raw. This is real. And then we apologize if we don't get it right in front of him. So it's very like a work in progress, but active, but like also not yelling. Like we don't yell as like, well, there's sometimes we're human. But for us as a couple, he gets upset if we're like having a discussion. Like it's not raised voices. It's normal. He likes peace. Peace is very important to him as a a six-year-old. But I'm like, it's okay for us to have this discussion and reaffirming like, Daddy's not happy with this and I have a different opinion. And so we're kind of coming to agreement so we can move forward and we can not talk about this anymore. I think with conflict, what I'm trying to do is explain it because nobody explained anything when I was really young about conflict. Do you find when you explain it to children or like when you're modeling that behavior, is that helpful or do you have any tips with that?
1: I think it can be really helpful when you explain especially after the fact. So maybe you handled something not the best. Maybe You did yell or you said something and he witnessed it. It's witnessing you apologizing, witnessing you healing the rupture and then explaining to him, hey, like I didn't handle this the way I wanted to. This is the way I could have handled it, which would have, you know, probably been a better way, but I didn't. So because I didn't, I realized, you know, I said something hurtful. So I apologized for that. So again, it's walking them through the process. It's not about, you know, modeling the perfect thing because none of us are perfect. But it's letting him know that, hey, we mess up. And when we mess up and we're aware of that, we do what we can to, you know, make it better with the people that we love.
0: I think it's important. So with you, can you give us a little background on what you do? I guess I skipped that part. Like, what do you do? Because we're talking about conflict resolution. But what is your corner in the world? Like, what is your realm?
1: My niche. (laughs) I'm a former therapist and now I'm a coach and I specialize in relationship coaching, but I typically do it with the individuals, not the couples. And communication is kind of my bread and butter. That's my favorite thing to teach on and to talk about. And it's how to effectively communicate and building those skills that again, a lot of us didn't get from our parents and we're not modeled for us. And then we go into relationship and we wonder why, you know, we're always doing this with each other. So I help people figure out like what are those patterns that are underlying your constant conflict that you've carried in from your childhood and how can we deal with those patterns and then communicate in a way where you're talking to your partner like you love them.
0: So what is your framework for conflict resolution as a coach and as a therapist?
1: Yeah. So a couple of keys that I teach people when we start to talk about, you know, working through conflict. The first thing is getting grounded in yourself and getting clear about what is actually going on. Because a lot of times we will go at it with our partner or we'll get upset at someone else. And the thing we're upset about isn't really the problem. It's just a symptom of the problem. So it wasn't that you forgot to take the trash out. It's that I don't feel safe and supported in this relationship. You know, it's something deeper. So the first step in, getting to that conflict resolution is taking some time. And sometimes, you know, by yourself, some people are more, you know, we internally process, some people need to talk things through, but it's taking that responsibility of, I need to figure out what I'm really upset about before I launch into this discussion with you. Because then you're setting your partner up for success. Because when we go into an argument and we start, you know, throwing all these little things around that are annoying us and we forget about that core issue, nothing gets resolved. So that's the first step is really digging down and getting clarity on why am I really mad? Like what need inside of me is not being met or what wound that I have is being rubbed up against right now by this other person that I need to address.
0: Mm, It's amazing. So then what are some conversations? I love templates. (laughs) I literally have pieces of, paper eight and a half by 11 of things I'm supposed to say, like taped up on the walls around the house because I'm a forgetful person at times. And I have phrases that I want to say and I want to implement, whether it's to say like to validate. I'm a fixer, so I'm learning to validate and not fix or do. Mm -hmm. So I have like little phrases that I can insert And my husband, he goes, what are you doing? I was like, this is going to help change things. Like when I can look around the room and I can, you know, I can go and these are the things I'm supposed to say. And eventually they'll become innate. But over time I need help. So, or like the things I'm supposed to say to Ollie, who's my son, to help him feel seen and supported and heard and validated. And, you know, that's huge. So what are some things, phrases that people could use when they're going through that framework?
1: Yeah. and. The phrases might change, but what I would love to give you is the framework itself. Sure. And I have a free download on this that I can yeah also yeah yeah. We'll, we'll link, link it in for... the show notes. Yeah, because this is a really simple. It's called the feedback loop, and it's a simple framework to use when you're sharing something that has upset you or something that's bothering you that you need to express to your partner and sharing it in a way that it can be more received by them. So the first step in that, again, it goes back to that clarity. It's getting clear on what you're upset about and sharing just the facts with your partner. So step one is you share the facts. This is what happened. No embellishment, you know, no drama. This is what happened. And then the second step is I feel this. And that's where you share your feeling. I feel hurt. I feel sad. I feel frustrated. And then the third step, and this is where we get to really you know, get into all the feelings that are underneath and the mess you share. And here's a phrase for you. The story I made up in my head. And the reason you Mm. phrase it that way is you're taking responsibility that this may not be what actually happened. This may not be your experience, but this is very real for me. So it's, you know, this thing happened. This is what I feel. The story I made up in my head. And that's where you get to share your mess. That's where you get to share, you know, all the things that you've been ruminating on or thinking about. But again, you're taking responsibility that I realize this is inside of me. Not all of this is true but I need to get it out. And then the fourth part is the need and your ask. So this is where you ask for what you need to move forward. So after you're like, this is a story I made up in my head, then you say, this is what I need to move forward. And that part can be hard for people because that, that again, it's taking a lot of personal responsibility and getting clear with yourself. Like, do I need an apology from this person? Is there a behavior change I need from this person? And then you ask for it. And then the fifth step is to be quiet and listen and allow them to go through the same process with you. Because conversations, you know, it's rarely one sided when we have conflict in a relationship or we hurt someone. Right. It's not just right. Yeah. I'm the innocent one that was hurt and you're the bully. It's not typically like that. So that listening part at the end, that step five. Is really important because we have to allow our partner. I always say, you know, if you want someone to hold space for you, to share that mess, to share the story, to share your feelings, you've got to mirror that back and hold space for them to do the same. I agree. When we first got married, I've been married
0: this December will be nine years. And we are such different people than when we first got married. And when we first got married, I knew how to get divorced. This is my first marriage, never been divorced. But anyway, but I came from a broken home. I knew what it was like to break things and break people because that's what I came from. But my husband came from a very loving home, very supportive, very strong marriage, very like Midwestern, strong family foundation, which I didn't. So I spent the first two years of our marriage, learning how to actively listen. And I thought I was a good listener and I wasn't. We actually ended up going to different like marriage conferences and not super religious now, but there was a lot of great things that I learned from those conferences and all the best marriages I knew were Christian and we are super progressive liberals. So don't come for me, but we went to like four different marriage conferences, some religious, some not. And, What I did learn was the more I listened, the more I would find what I needed to hear. So when the more I found when we did have conflict was I was (laughs) learning that I was the problem in a lot of things. (laughs) And I was quick to apologize though. I'm quick to own my shit. So in our marriage was like I learned the first two years how little I listened and how much I needed to listen. And if I just listened before I spoke, what I was finding is you're wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> it was like, this is not the reality. But when I listened to him, then I was like, oh, it became much easier to move through it. But I had the earnest desire to change my behavior because I wanted my marriage to last. I was like, yeah. I had this attitude of like, well, I know definitely how you're supposed not to be. Let's learn how you're supposed to be. And I think that's also important is like, depending on your background, you might just need to ask a lot of questions and you might need to like communication, as you're saying in the conflict resolution, like it may also be the listening part. Like for me, that was the biggest change in our marriage was like, you goes, "No, you're a really good listener now. I listen without interrupting and just like, because what I was finding more often, I was like, I'm probably wrong here. And- <laughs> No, I mean I, most of me don't so say good. that, but for me, in my situation, in our first two years of marriage, I was often wrong.
1: <laughs> and I love what you said, because you said something, and I talked to clients about this because it's so important. You said, I want our marriage to work. And I always tell people before you go into conflict, make sure you know what your intention is. Because yeah. if your intention is to hurt the other person, then okay, that's your intention. And that's probably what you'll get. But if your intention is, I want to heal this so we can move forward together. So Mm. don't jump into it until you know what you want, because sometimes we're like, oh, I want to fix it. But deep down, we need to deal with the fact that we kind of want to get back at them or we want to hurt them. And it's like, you need to deal with that. Because again, it's like, if you don't know what your intention is, that's when you can really get lost in the conflict. And the listening piece is huge. I coach people to give a seven second pause when their partner is finished talking. Because, well, one, they might not actually be done. I don't know about you, but sometimes it takes me a second to gather my thoughts and I'm. Oh, having, no. Like, yeah, you know, that's yeah, yeah. That's my husband. Yeah. That's my husband. So give them that space. And two, it makes you kind of check yourself like, am I listening to understand them or am I just listening to respond? Like, you know, that, you, know you hear someone really, and you're like, in the yeah. back of your head, you're like, oh, I'm going to say this. And, <laughs> yeah. So it's a check for you. Like, I have to count to seven and make sure, you know, did I hear them? And even summarize back to them what you heard them say and be like, is that what you mean? Because then you're really, you're hearing them.
0: One piece of advice that also revolutionized our marriage was we went to marriage conference and they had like, how long have you been married? Standing up so many years, decades, yada, yada. I don't remember how old these people were, but they had white hair. So they were married a long time. And their best advice was at a pebble or a boulder. So what you're saying. And the first thing that they said was they asked for permission. So it was like, do you have time in 15 minutes to discuss? So there was that aspect. And then so the person would be prepared in readiness like to receive or to speak or to share, whatever it is. So then the person would speak, whoever is intended to speak. And then at the end, when that person was done sharing their message or their feelings, they would say, was that a pebble or a boulder? And then the person who was receiving the message, they might say, that was a boulder. And then so the person then got the opportunity to say, well, I intended it to be a pebble. Why does it feel like a boulder to you? So then that receipt of the message and interpretation and the conveying of like what was really intended gets clarified. And they said, like they had been married a long time. And so we often... Use that to this day. I'm like, was that a pebble or a boulder? And he goes, no, that was a pebble. It's fine. And then I like that. We also teach it to our son. So I'm like, was it a pebble or a boulder? Small thing or big thing for you? And sometimes he surprises me. He was like, that was a boulder. What is like? I don't understand what everything you're telling me. So that was a game changer for us too.
1: No, that's really good. I love that, and I love what you said about like them, you know, standing up, there's something that comes with that wisdom of people that have just done life together for so long. I had an experience where I met, it was actually my partner's great aunt, I believe. And I asked her because she had been married 50 something years. And I was like, what was your secret? And it actually was something that has helped me really form the way I teach communication. And she said, we always reminded each other to talk to me like you love me. And it's Ooh. so simple, but it's something I check myself with. Like, I'll start to say something and I'm like, I love this person. Like, how do you say something to someone you love? Because a lot of times we get- It can be aggressive. Lazy. Yeah, it gets yeah. aggressive. Sloppy. It gets, yeah. you know, like kind of rude. And it's like, no, I love this person. So how you am get I a little going careless. To speak? Yeah. Yeah. When you're in a relationship, it's, you know, unfortunately the person who's closest to you and you love the most, like often- they get the worst version of us because, you know, we're raw with them. Our guard is down. And it's just a good reminder that, oh, I still want to bring my love and my best to this person and not treat them like, oh, you're just here. You're always here. It's like still like bringing that best self to them.
0: I love that so much. In your experience, what common mistakes do people make when they're trying to resolve conflicts? I know we touched upon a little bit. And what advice do you have for avoiding those pitfalls?
1: Yeah. So a couple of things. One is a lot of times we'll get stuck in this desire to be right. And it's that Mm. I want to win. And so that's one that I see a lot of people get hung up on is reframing it from, I want to win to like, I want us to win. I want us to move through this. And Mm. it's really that like, we're a team versus it's me against you. Another one I see people run into a lot of the time is one partner will fall into the habit of just pulling away, kind of acquiescing and withdrawing. And so nothing will actually get, you know, cleared up or resolved. I always say there's three kind of movements in conflict. There's people that move towards their partner. You know, they're like, I want to make it better. There's people that move against their partner. That's kind of more like ready to go into the fight. And then there's people that withdraw.
0: Oh, I see that often in my clients.
1: Yeah. And honestly- It's easier to withdraw. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's one of the harder ones, the harder kind of losing strategies of communication to move through because when you withdraw and you disengage, it's like the other person's kind of left. Like they can't, you can't just heal it all on your own. So that's another big thing. Like I said, the fighting to be right, the withdrawing. And then there's something Terry Reel, he's a renowned couples therapist, calls- Unbridled self expression. This is where you just dump on them and you let them know, like, this is why I'm upset. This is all like all the things. And I think we get this confused with speaking our truth. And there's a difference between speaking your truth and unbridled self expression because speaking your truth requires a level of personal responsibility and also acknowledgement that your words carry weight. So I can be very honest and kind and truthful with you at the same time, like I can have uncomfortable conversations without low blows and attacking character. And so unbridled self-expression is like, it's really like going in for the kill when, you know, people get heightened and they get triggered. And so that's something I see a lot that people will need to work on because it can be really damaging to the relationship.
0: I have an upcoming guest interview next week and the person's talking about nonviolent communication. Yes. And I didn't know that words could be violent. And then when we were talking about it in our planning episode, I realized like most of the people that I knew that were like physically safe were definitely not emotionally safe, especially with words. Mm -hmm. And then the people who were definitely physically not safe in my childhood were both emotionally, verbally, words, like all of it was unsafe. So when she was explaining the nonviolent communication, which is, I had to explain this to my mom too. I was like, nonviolent communication is not nonverbal. And she's like, oh, I know what that means. I was like, no, it's not. It's like words. So it was wild to me how much it resonated. The other part is that I didn't know that even if someone's polite and kind, like you were saying, they still can be hurtful. And I didn't know that. Like I thought if you're polite and kind, then the message is safe. Mm -hmm. But it is quite possible for you to get very hurt. and the words, be very unsafe and very hurtful, even if they're said in kind ways or polite ways or in a non-yelling tone. Mm -hmm.
1: No, very much so. And something which is similar to that that I speak to people about is there's the energetics of your communication. So there's, you know, the verbal part of your communication, the physical part, but then there's this energetic realm of your communication because your words carry energy and they carry emotion. And so that's why if you go, I always tell people, your conduct matters just as much as your content, like how you say something Mm, matters as much as what you say, because words rooted in love are typically received, whereas words rooted in fear are repelled. Because if you come at someone from like a low vibration, a place of fear, anger, and frustration, they feel that. So they put their guard up. It's like if someone was to start walking towards you really forcefully, and you probably like step back and maybe put your hands up to kind of get ready to protect yourself. We do the same thing when someone starts to talk to us in a way that is energetically from like a low vibrational place when it's full of like driven by a lot of fear and a lot of anger. Yeah.
0: And can you tell us how can people reach you? How can they find you on the internet? How can we connect with you?
1: Yeah. So the easiest way is probably just my website. It's lilyrachels.com. And then I am at Lily Rachel. Most of the stuff I do is on Facebook. I'm at Lily Rachel's on Instagram, at Lily Rachel's on LinkedIn. And that. yeah, so it's the same handle everywhere, but my website's a great place to start.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope you have the best day.
1: You too. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate this.
0: Until next time, friends, let
1: the Reiki flow.
0: Frustrated being told you are fine by your doctor, exhausted from negative pregnancy tests every month, wanting a deeper connection on your fertility journey with your spirit baby? The Make a Baby membership is exactly what you need. Using Reiki will help you connect to your spirit baby, heal the trapped emotions blocking fertility, and support you in our life-changing community. With over 90 Reiki babies, we invite you to try the Make a Baby membership for free. Check it out in the show notes. Let's get you pregnant.